Now, first of all, thank you for all of the help you give us, the support you give to the monastery and to the Sangha and to this teacher, this teaching. Please continue to help us if you can. The talk title today is one that has been covered a lot in Buddhist teachings down through the centuries and was first mentioned by the Buddha. His first teaching was actually suffering. That's the title, suffering. Life is suffering. If you're alive, you're going to suffer. If you're alive. You have nerve endings, lots of them. Uh, just all it takes is a little bit of difficulty, something too sharp, too rough, too hard, too, 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 for us to feel through just a sense of touch, suffering. It can be just a, a needle poke, too much sun, too much sunshine, too much of a good thing, uh, and on and on like that. It's very, uh, very difficult. The three, traditionally, the three types of suffering are the pain of pain, which is what I'm referring to here by the pain of having your skin abraded or poked or having your arm broken or being hauled down a flight of stairs, on and on. I could go on and on. Don't need to. We all know about that. The first two are recognizable. And the next one is the pain of alternation. You're doing pretty well. Things are going along just swimmingly. And then you run into something and it changes. So it alternates between having fun and having discomfort or not so much fun. And sometimes the way that this are talked about or taught are things are going very well. Nothing is wrong, but we're worried about something happening next. So we're, 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 we're comfortable, or you could say that we're not suffering, but we are in our mind stream because we're worried about what, what's next, what is next, what is just around the corner that is going to alternate from feeling pretty good into not doing so well. Like, it's like the car ride to the dentist, that kind of thing. Won't last. And we can go into all of these through questions in a moment. The last one, and these all overlap and underlap and so on. The last one is the pain of the composite or the pain of conditioned existence as it is classically talked about. Just just, just the, the conditionality of everything, intensity of everything, and that you are fundamentally not separate from anyone. So if you're around someone who's suffering, probably going to feel that unless your style is to jump into one of the three poisons, which may be to ignore that, ignore the, their pain because you're concerned about your own pleasure, keeping your own motorboat going and people are drowning, but you don't really have time to help them and justify it by all kinds of rationales. Most people do not know their suffering because they're successful at the relative area there covering it up, distracting themselves away from what might show up as boredom for a little while, but as the boredom is not filled in with entertainment, then that boredom gets more and more difficult until it actually tumbles into some kind of fundamental anxiety that most people are avoiding. Around the spiritual path, true spiritual path, which is to see the nature of what this is, simply put. If you're on that path and you have a, a teaching, a teacher and a community, as we do here, then you can work on it. There's a way to work to work with this. You don't have to stop uh, having a beer or having some popcorn and watching a movie. Although it's turned up that way, where ascetics actually stop eating, won't eat anything after noon, and uh, won't have any intimate relationships with anyone, thinking that somehow staying away from all that is, is somehow going to um, help you transcend the mundane path of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, life and death. Uh, I disagree with that. And But I would also say that in past centuries, this might be the only way you could really do this, is to actually have a monastery with monks, men, of course, who are celibate, who are not going to indulge in anything or are going to 
take themselves away from the pleasure so that they won't run the risk of being addicted. But what does that create? Someone who's ignoring it creates an aspect of consciousness that looks like we're doing pretty good. At least we have a lot of self-discipline. Well, my understanding of discipline is not about control. Although I had a, a doctor yesterday uh, look at me that I'm having some difficulty with something and say, kind of like, I don't remember exactly what he said. Well, you know, you're a Buddhist monk, so you know you can you can control or you can discipline. You have a lot of discipline. You've been doing this for a long time, wasn't that what he said? And what did I say? Not to argue, but there's a different understanding of discipline. Yeah, I didn't argue with him, but I just said that discipline was not about control; it's about awareness. And wouldn't you know? He had no further questions. And why wouldn't he have any further questions? What do you think? No curiosity about anything other than what he thinks. That doesn't make him bad or ill or wrong. It just means that that's the way society runs. We have standards uh, which we uh, run everything by. So coming back to uh, suffering, how do we work with that? We work with that by being aware. And how do we become aware? Back to the old teaching of train your mind to see clearly what is in front of you, what is in front of any of the sense fields, including the mind. Not what you think about what it is, not what it might be, not your analysis of it, but what it actually is. This takes a long time. It cannot be done in three months, three years. Maybe you can't do it in three decades. Excuse me, but you should do it anyway. Just practice anyway. Questions about suffering would be good. Something else if you have it. Cayenne bowing. As you described the pain of the composite, you said if you're near somebody who is having difficulty, you might experience that but you've also said that people don't pour feelings into you so what's what's the contrast between those seemingly different experiences bowing so the people don't pour feelings into you is i'm just saying that that no one is even though somebody does something that triggers a reaction in you which creates anger or distress or, or confusion or feeling like you're being blamed for something you didn't do uh, or something is, that is so uncomfortable, you just want to turn away and think about something else, passion, aggression, and ignorance. So what I'm saying by uh, no one's pouring feelings into you, uh, that shows up when you feel like somebody, somebody is to blame for how you feel. You're feeling a certain way, and you wouldn't feel this way if that person hadn't looked at you this way or said this or done that. So therefore, you get to blame them because they caused it, because before they did that, uh, you felt just fine. So it, it's just the way we work with relative truth is to immediately go to cause and effect, and which is relatively correct the first 30 seconds. But the 30 years before that occurred, this, is, this boat is sailing in your direction. It's coming. It's, it's a landslide of otherness, a landslide of dependent origination. Unless you begin to see that, you will continue to live your life by uh, through credit and blame, thinking that someone else causes your emotions rather than being responsible for your emotions yourself. When, whenever you feel anything, you feel it. Not your ego, but just the consciousness, just like when your fingertips hit a hot stove or a hot skillet. That's, no one's doing that to you. You can't blame the person who invented the skillet. But that's part of it. It would not have happened had the person not invented a skillet or any any number of things if you hadn't stood so close to the stove. We always look for cause so that we can stop that from ever happening again. More? Okay. Hi, Bowing. So if we're around somebody, let's say, who's experiencing intense grief, and that gives rise to a feeling of grief in us. Are we feeling our own feelings or is that feeling their feelings bowing? You're always feeling your own feelings on a 
on a fundamental level, a relative level, of course, they're your own feelings. Uh, you're resonating with someone else. Someone else, by their action, by feeling so grief-stricken, resonates with areas in your consciousness where you maybe have maybe have covered that up or maybe have had similar feelings. There's a number of little stories that could be generated around that, but you're not really sure exactly what the cause and effect is it's because it is so very complicated. And so that that is showing up there. And uh, but the pain of the composite, uh, if you take it a little bit further, actually, even those feelings are yours from the teaching point of view, but from the realization point of view, they aren't anybody's feelings. No, nobody has any feelings. Nobody owns anything. If you begin to realize this, your own your own uh, veneer of me, me, me and my stuff, your own outer shell of me, me and me and how I feel, and how I'm doing and I deserve this and don't deserve that, that starts to come apart. And you begin to be, uh, from the point of view of an ego, you begin to be lost. I don't know what else to say it other than that. You don't, you don't really have a wet reference point. At the same time, you could be in extreme discomfort. Sometimes when this starts to show up in a person, if they don't have a spiritual path, if that shows up here, I'll probably send you into retreat. Not that I won't be sympathetic to you, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to let you off the, off the hook of your own karma. But if you're out in another area of society, you maybe have to talk to a therapist or a psychiatrist or a, uh, any number of things, situations. And is that wrong? No, it's just dealing with it in a relative way rather than in the way of a spiritual understanding. Go ahead. The bond. So when that teacher on the balcony overlooking, I think it was Hong Kong, it was. was overcome with suffering. Yes. The pain of suffering. Was that his own suffering or was that the suffering that he was witnessing? Not separate. You can't locate a self. Consciousness always finds its own form. And in that situation, it was just His Holiness, the Karmapa, uh, his own suffering, his own discomfort, and the discomfort of the city of Hong Kong, which he was looking out over that apparently at night and was overcome by that. I, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know the story that showed, showed up that showed up there, but that's how it, I heard about it quite a long time ago. Go ahead. Well, I'm so then in Cayune's example of being next to somebody who is grief stricken yes and that grief wells up in us is that the same thing is it yes there's no you might attribute you might feel i'm feeling this or they've uh, i feel sympathy for them or i feel compassion for them you, you might uh, analyze that you might determine and that can have some relative uh um, accuracy to it but like i just said in the in the chicken taza instruction whatever shows up is just receive it and if you leave it for what caused it who did it or anything like that this this is how you you get in the way of your mind training by objecting to agreeing with or ignoring the three poisons don't do anything just receive it let it wipe you out you have to the, the bodhisattva the one who is on the path of the mahayana has to receive everything it's like you have to be it's, it's it's a heroic path where there's no hero no one's getting credit for anything no one's keeping score no one is testing you you might say everything is testing you because everything is for and against for and against passion aggression or ignorance all over the place relatively but you you've actually begun to You've actually begun to see deeply into consciousness and not necessarily lead with your thinking process. So you're actually seeing what is happening and it is suffering. More? Chisho. Chisho Wawing. Is there an opposite of suffering, like life and death, up and down? Is there an opposite of suffering? Bye. Yes, the relative opposite would be a pleasure, a nerve endings that are abraded or suffering, and nerve endings that are tickled or uh, something like that is, is pleasurable. Uh, a very foul-tasting food would be displeasurable, but, uh, you know, really good kimchi. I mean, you may not like kimchi, but 
that's my recent uh, experience of something that really tasted good. Uh, it's pleasurable. It's pleasurable. So those are those are there, but the kind of suffering and, and uh, the, the understanding of suffering goes even deeper than just the relative part. It, it begins to go way deep into the consciousness of being. Uh, uh, this is where it starts to approach that area of the consciousness that is that thinks there is someone with suffering. The suffering is the suffering. The pleasure is the pleasure. It's when there's someone who's having pleasure or there's someone who is suffering, this is what needs to be seen. This is why the first noble truth of the Buddha is life is suffering. And why I, I'm not saying he didn't say this also, but why I say it's not part time, it's suffering all the time. This is divine. But the second noble truth being that the cause of suffering is wanting something else. With Payun's example, if you're wanting somebody else not to be suffering, are you adding to suffering? No, not at all. Demanding things could get you into some, uh, you know, some difficulty, some rock fights. Every time we demand something, we're ignoring the causes the causation that is behind any given thing that arises, whether it's suffering or pleasure, no demand, just receive whatever this is, receive it and see deeply uh, what it is yourself. Go ahead. Is it denying, so is it some types of wanting something else that cause suffering but not others? Say more. Wanting somebody else not to suffer isn't necessarily adding to suffering. What types of, you know, why some wanting something else, but not other types of wanting something else? I don't know. That's, might have to talk to a philosopher about that. It, what it comes down to is there isn't the fundamental nature. There, isn't, there aren't two things anywhere. So this, this area of not wanting, wanting, not wanting starts to mix it up in such a way that it, may, it strengthens the illusion of otherness. So keep it very simple. Just receive. And notice when you object and when the objection kind of wears out. If you're just looking at it, then anything you come up with that is against or for or ignoring starts to come apart. I mean, we could go into the area you talked about, and but then I would, I would have to be a philosopher, and so would you. Susan. If I see the knee-jerk cover-up, is it helpful to push through it? Situationally, sometimes you, you might push on it a little bit, but it would be a situation that would come out of your awareness of that rather than some kind of goal to control things. So there may be some kind of leaning into something a little bit. Important, very important, as you've heard me say many times, it's very important to respect, respect the confusion in your own mind stream and in anyone else that comes in, in front of you or interacts with you, just to be respectful of people's confusion not not jump right into how they're wrong or they need to be corrected or, or how you're wrong or need to be corrected it's called patience that's how to that's how we work with anger patience wait wait watch that for a while it seems like sometimes that waiting or looking at it can show up externally as ignorance yes how can i look at it and still function? Just persist. Nothing lasts, but it appears to stabilize or fixate in some ways. Just continue, return to that which which uh, seems to be solid and impenetrable. Just return to it. Kishwain, so you said the opposite of uh, nerve endings pain is when there is no pain. Similarly, the pain of alteration. Is there an opposite for the pain of composite? Yeah. Uh, yes, samsara. Thinking that there's individual pain over here, the pain of the composite is just suffering. It's just uh, the pain of conditioned existence. It doesn't make, make any difference if there's someone present or not. Consciousness always finds its own form and it may find embodiment. It may not. But consciousness uh, is is there's anything that arises 
uh, is um, is received by consciousness, whether there's a living being there or not. Let's go further if you have it. Shivayam, what's that relationship between consciousness finding its own form and the pain of composite? Bhavi? How does it look to you? Don't know? Shivayam, uh, I don't know. Other than it drives me <laughs> in the sense of the fundamental question of what is this? But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there is an opposite for it or how will I? So my question is, even if I'm facing that in a relative sense, how can I ever make out the pain of composite if I don't know what its opposite is? But I don't know. I would say keep uh, contemplating that rather than for me to give you some kind of a reference point for it. That's a pretty good area, not only for you, but for anyone to just look at that. Look at the pain of pain. Pretty easy to see that. Look at the pain of the alternation. Pretty easy to see that. The pain of the composite. We sense there's something in that, the pain of conditioned existence or the pain of the composite. But as long as there's a separate being here that is making an assumption, albeit hidden, that you are somebody sitting uh, on a on a chair or on a cushion uh, with hands in the air talking as long as that looks like it's real that that is somebody who is trying to understand the, the buddha's dharma so as long as there's some otherness happening there then that area of the pain of the composite is being covered up by belief in the self belief in and other as if there's something that is hidden, the pain of the composite is not hidden. Sometimes, if it, if it really strikes you, it will probably knock you right off your feet or off your chair. Does that mean you would fall down? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe there'd be no movement of the body at all. Maybe it would just happen in consciousness only. We'll keep going. We'll all keep going. I will help you. I'll help. I will encourage you. If I can't do anything else, I will at least. I encourage you, Beyond. What is suffering to consciousness only? There is none. And what does it take to differentiate pleasure and pain? Just look at it. It's rather like when I say there is none, I'm not saying that you might not be haunted for the rest of your life by suffering. I'm saying uh, what I would give as an example is to be having a dream where something is chasing you, where you are absolutely terrified and you wake up shocked that you haven't crapped the bed because you're so terrified. It's unreal. So all that suffering that was happening there is imaginary. And it has to do with being substantiated by nerve endings. This pain that I'm having in my palm of my hand with a needle or with uh, capsation cream or something like that, that really causes irritation uh, is relatively real. It's very real. So this, so we, we use this belief in a body to substantiate, reify, validate all the other kinds of pain. But that, that, that example there that I just gave you, we all had that, a nightmare that's just, we awaken and say, oh, I'm so glad that that was just a nightmare. That would have been horrible had that been real. Well, that's just an example that it's unreal. Vividly unreal in emptiness. But we have to see it, and we have to see it right through the nerve endings. This is why the way that I teach, not the only way, there's other ways to do this, but the way that I teach is to just watch what moves. Watch the emotions come and go in the mind. Watch the chatter the subconscious gossip coming and going through the mind stream, trying to find a self that's wrong, a self that's right, a self out there that should be pointed out or should be chastised, some otherness, some kind of warfare in one direction or another. Out identity or fallen apart identity, can the senses, just the raw senses differentiate? 
Well, you, when you say differentiate, do you mean the left hand gets confused about what the, what the right hand's feeling? Well, I'm talking about pleasure and pain. Okay. And just like the raw wisdom of the senses, can they are they capable of differentiating? There may be some differentiation that just happens situationally. Uh, that is aligned with the very karma that brought you into this world in the first in the first place, that, that, that causes you to look a certain way, have a certain skin color, have a certain sexual orientation, or actual sexuality or orientation, which is it's confusing after a while because there's so many things arising and falling away that are pushing and pulling, and quite often are motivated by what open fear, hope for something better, fear of something worse. And bowing is, I'm thinking of karma as you just yes. that description. Is karma where we have lost control over? You can't, you can't get control. It's an illusion that you, somehow you can control things because you know, I can move this from over here to over there. So I can control that. So I have some control and that, just being able to do those kinds of things uh, feeds into the mind stream, thinking we should be able to control our minds. And people have been trying to do that for a long time, using different forms. One of the ways to to understand what the mind is and what the whole, the nature of control is, is to hold very still control and to watch what continues to be out of control. The mind stream going here, going there, thinking this, fabricating this, disbelieving, believing, sorting out, accusing, analyzing, on and on, logic, using logic. Logic is a great um, sledgehammer to intuition or to even to awakening. Go ahead. Just wondering if anybody can ever know if something is being received or not. That kind of knowledge is not, not it, it, because it doesn't show up as an item. So you can't really know in that area because that which knows will come to, con which is a, an imaginary self will come to a conclusion about, I can't do this or I can do this. And this is quite often where we get tripped up and the ego mind um, scolds us and tells us, well, we need to do something else. Uh, this is not working because we're looking for some kind of a goal. I ha I've had in the 15, 20 years that I've been functioning as a teacher, I've had people come and study with me for a fairly long period of time and just go another way rather than continue no matter what because they can judge, they can evaluate, they can analyze. Wrong? No, they probably did the best they could. More? What is the watcher's relationship so there's uh, several ways of talking about that. Traditionally, there's a watcher. It's just a basic watcher that's watching the thoughts when you're sitting. Uh, I assume you're talking about meditation practice. Yeah. And then there's the, there's eventually becomes a watcher of a watcher. So you begin to step back even farther and watch some aspect of consciousness is doing some observing. And then there seems to be another aspect of consciousness and it becomes very mirror-like. So you, the downside of it is it, it feels more confusing, but the upside of it is the whole idea of duality is beginning to come apart in the form of mirror images. And what I say, keep going. It gets worse and it gets better. It gets worse because it can get very, very challenging. I'm, I'm not kidding you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, give you too much uh, positivity here. It's not easy. It's very, very hard. And quite often people get in so far and then find a way to get out and stabilize the rest of their life by doing some kind of stability meditation, which uh, the way I see it, having been around for a while, uh, prevents you from, from seeing your true nature and gives you a, a really strong meditative mind that uh, is still um, has a very healthy ego from the point of view of not having too many problems with things. Follow me.
can be really hard. Chisho. Chisho, I mean, does the watcher watch suffering? Bye. Uh, the, the way I'm using that, maybe, uh, to go to respond to what you're asking, but the way I'm using that is the watcher seems to be watching the consciousness that seems to be watching. Seems to there be seems to be an observer of an observer kind of thing, and that that may last for a while. It may fade away. It may. It's just a, a way of talking about it that seems to show up for people who have meditated a great deal. Mahesh. Mahesh Boeing. Um, so when you talk about the stabilizing the mind or stability kind of thing, um, so why is it that uh, if I use a stable kind of concentration practice for some time, um, why is it not better um, compared to like just sitting and spinning uh, uh, with Shikantaza uh, bowing? Uh, well, the, my understanding of it, I'm not correcting all the people who are teaching Shamatha Vipassana or, or Vipassana or do whatever, you know, some people that's the kind they need to be doing. Uh, and if you want my explanation for it, all I can say is I'm not interested in stabilizing anybody. I'm interested in you awakening to your true nature, which could be completely chaotic for one person and somewhat stable for another. And another one might go between stability and chaos, stability and chaos. I have students who are doing that practically, if not daily, weekly. And I don't try to get them to stabilize. Whatever shit is arising in their mind, I say, eat it, receive it, taste it. I have even said to some people, let it kill you. Because some people are so terrified, they feel like they're going to die because of their emotions. They're so hard. I don't know the... When I meet you, I don't know the karma that brought you in front of this old man, but I know the karma that brought me in front of you. And it sucked. To, to uh, paraphrase the Buddha, it was bad. But I'm here. And I'm not about to, to uh, uh, make sure that the rug does not get pulled out from under you. But try to receive everything as a teaching. If you just become a student 24 Seven, always be a student, always whether it's the teaching person or whether it's the Sangha, whether it's your, uh, uh, you know, your, uh, your lover or uh, a road agent from Texas, doesn't matter. But whatever shows up is a teaching, it's a teaching. And if you're a student. And so I, when I, when you ask about stability meditation, as I've said to you before, I, uh, go ahead, st stabilize yourself. You have a teacher, at least you did. And whatever that, whatever he, she, or they are teaching, then stabilize your mind. But if you're asking me, I said, don't worry about stability. Don't worry about anything. Just sit down, hold very still, and watch the chaos of the mind come and go and come and go until it just wears wears out. Because it, because it will wear out. I can't guarantee it, but that's what I did based on what my teacher told me uh, was to uh, see what this is. Go ahead, Mayesh. Mahesh going. Um, the my problem is that I've, I'm worried that when I sit in the Shikantaza style, uh, my mind is spinning a lot, and uh, maybe some kind of practice on breath meditation, and then coming back to Shikantaza is probably will work for me. How do I know if that will work for me or not? Now, if you're asking me, I mean, I'm going to say no. That's a misunderstanding. That's don't don't stay in the train station and wait for the right train to come by. You're on the train. You're, if you're talking to me, uh, you're, you've already gone off the cliff. Now, I'm not saying you can't recover, climb back up in the cliff and camp out on the ledge. Go ahead. But if you're talking to me, you're ready to hear this because I'll keep telling you over and over and over again, this is whatever life I have left in me, to continue to realize your true nature by watching the chaos in the mind. Do not try to stabilize the chaos. This is this is a... Uh, Passion, aggression, and ignorance, uh, uh, just in a ball of control, control, control. It's a very macho kind of uh, thing that I think uh, speculation that basically men have developed over the centuries. Not to say that women are free of that. Of course not. But it's, it seems like a very masculine approach. That's why we have this testing. And that's why we have, instead of just fundamentally training people, we want to test them to see how they're doing. That's none of your business. 
how you're doing. When I say none of your business, there's no one there. And if you think it's some of your business, then you're just reifying the very thing you're trying to see through. It's the, it's the illusion of a, of a self. You can see me get riled up when I start talking about this. Because I, it's so obvious. What I'm looking at is so obvious. That's why I'm able to even sit here and do this. And I invite you, come and take me apart. There isn't anyone here. I'm just as upset as you are. I'm suffering also. When I say I'm suffering, I'm saying the suffering arises. It comes and goes and comes and goes. The only difference might be is it's not happening to someone. So therefore, this this whatever this is can't be affected. Uh, it can't be stopped from teaching. Uh, if I were falling off a cliff, which I am. If I were falling into a fire, which I am. If I were uh, being eaten by a dragon, which I am. I would still teach. I have to teach. So, and I'm saying back to you, train, if you want to train your mind, then just sit down, hold still, think about it, just reflect on it for a few moments. It's not even a fancy idea. Sit down, hold very still and watch the movement of the mind because the movement of the mind is the chaos that is generated out of passion, aggression and ignorance where the self is trying to be protected. And so if you want to go back to a stability meditation, and you want to do that, you can go and go and do it, but don't ask me about it. That's your big mistake. If you ask me, I'm going, to, I'm going to say, no, don't do that. Receive the suffering that comes up. Receive the first noble truth before you go to anything else. Be the suffering. It's not, it's not nihilism. It's not negativity. It's the truth. Further question, Mahesh? Mahesh, going. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I'm not... Uh... I'm not decided either way. Like uh, I'm just uh, whenever I sit in Shikantas and mind is spinning, um, I notice that if I follow breath, that's better. So that's why I always I get I keep running into those doubts. Yeah, but thanks thanks for answering my question, Bowen. Yeah, just do it anyway if you can. So the mind is spinning. Uh, you know what I call that awareness. There isn't a person here whose mind isn't spinning, including this this old monk. Mind is spinning. I watch it spin all the time, but there's no one watching it. It's just spinning and it can't find itself anywhere. But your situation may be a little different. If I may be, if I may, if I may be allowed to say so, you think there's someone spinning and spinning can, if the spinning can't find itself, then what's the problem? It's just spinning, spinning. It's just karma, 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 cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. It's just perception only without a perceiver and without anything in perceived, anything that is perceived. That's the basic teaching there in, in the Buddhist tradition is called emptiness, which is still the path. We still have to see that even emptiness is empty. It takes a while. Have a few more minutes if there are other, yes. No following question from YouTube from Maria. I'm Maria, a Zen priest. I have a hard time with saying I can't to people that need help. I feel like I'm the reason for their suffering. How can I process this? You are the reason for their suffering. If you're a priest, of course, drive all blames into yourself. You try to get out of anything. I don't know who your teacher is. If you're a transmitted priest, then Maybe you don't have a teacher. That's not to you. I know I'm looking at you, but I'm actually looking at you. Is it a her? Maria? Maria, yes. That's, that's, I have to be that direct with you. You caught me at a point where I'm not gonna, going to soft pedal anything. Be genuine. Be genuine. You are, when I say you are to blame, of course you're not to blame. There is no one to blame. But that's how it's going to feel if you're on the path. If you have not realized the truth, the truth of your of who you actually are, then it's going to feel like you're going to have to eat all this suffering. Eat it, receive it, be genuine, be fearless by looking right at the fear of whatever it is, desolation or disappointment. You can do it if you have a teacher, which sounds like you might. Go ask her or him. Go go talk to them about that. Might get a different answer, but 
might be more helpful to you than the one I just gave you. Yes. You witness our suffering all yes. the time. Yes. Where does that suffering go? Witnessing it doesn't seem to do much of anything. Do you receive our suffering? I don't know. Do I? Anybody gotten rid of any suffering by hanging out with me? <laughs> I get a lot of people laughing, but and only Sanjo is shaking his head yes. Uh, what do you want to know? Let's 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 get it right down to the the uh, proverbial brass tacks. that Zen priest's question just made me wonder. You say that you receive us, you meet us exactly where we are mm -hmm. at. So I'm wondering how our suffering affects you. Um, it hurts. Her suffering hurts. I, I am, uh, that was very well communicated. I got it. And so that, otherwise I could not respond to her that way. She, she was not soft pedaling anything. She's saying, people want my help, I can't help them. She's a priest. Of course she can't help them. There isn't anyone. That's why she can receive it. That's why. When I say, if you don't want to apply, that's why there isn't anyone there. But I would have to meet her probably to see. But it looks like maybe there isn't anyone there. Maybe she's realized her true nature just hasn't had anyone say, that's it. Life is suffering. Jishin Bowing, is everything which is moving a part of chaos? Bowing. Everything just moving? Is a part of chaos? Yes. What is not chaos? Um, things that are sure not confusing. <laughs> chaos and Chaos and order are not separate. Even Trungpa Rinpoche talked about orderly chaos. So you, you, you can't really wrap your head around it. Uh, you can't think it out and figure it out wh why or how it is. And if you realize your true nature, you realize you're not separate from anything, that the, you, you go beyond the duality that magnetizes us into right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, life and death. And you see that subject and object are not two different things. They just look that way. This is the illusion we are deluded by. The, the way I talk about it quite often is uh, uh, watch your thoughts, but don't believe them. Feel your feelings, but don't necessarily add on. Because you're feeling this, it must be true. What is that orderly chaos? Yes. Bowing? What is it? It's just, Chunk talks about orderly chaos. I think there's a whole book on that, isn't there? Called Orderly Chaos. Yes? No? Yes? Nobody knows? Yeah, Kayun knows. I think he wrote that book, right? <laughs> no? So, uh, Kayun, have you read that? Kayun Bowing. I've read, I've read parts of it. It's about um, the mandala. mandala yeah. So the mandala principle is just, as you know, mandala is a circle with, and it has gates and it has, uh, has different formations. And it's quite often used as a meditation device to help us see that that which is, looks chaotic is actually quite orderly. But you have to look at the chaos. You have to look. You can't, you can't think up stuff. You can't analyze it. You can't pick this apart and put this in there and say, oh, this, well, if this were over here, it would be more orderly. No, it's the chaos that's orderly, but you have to see that. And if there's a strong self here and a strong other over there, the, the, the chaos will continue to be chaotic. But if you see that what you're looking at, you're not separate from, then that is the order in the midst of the chaos. You could say it that way. There's nothing to correct. This is the, 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 the Zogchen masters, the Mahamudra, uh, masters and uh, and and some Zen teachers from ancient times pointed at 
the very nature of this as being justice. It's perfect as it is. There's nothing to fix or correct. That doesn't mean that the misunderstanding or the dismemberment of things that are already uh, connected together, or the taking apart or deconstructing is a modern way of talking about that, doesn't mean that that, 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 that isn't functioning in a, a way that seems very, very out of step and imbalanced and crazy. It may, it may seem that way, but the reality, you actually need to see the reality uh, with consciousness only, not with thoughts and ideas and concepts and logic, reason and so on, coming to, to conclusions about it. Thank you. Thank you. Kayundi, is there anything out of that that's stuck in your memory uh, from that book? Kayun bowing, not, not off the top of my head, but something did a kind of a current event disturbed me. There was that story of the woman in California, the shop owner that was hanging the gay pride flag outside of her store and was shot by a young man. And obviously I felt horrible for this poor woman, but I found myself actually totally overwhelmed thinking about this poor, crazy kid who did yes. murder. And I just sort of got turned back on myself feeling like I was upset about the wrong death, but I, I just wonder what's, what, what's going on there. Well, I understand what you're saying. It's the, sometimes if we, uh, the example I sometimes uh, choose uh, or ask about, ask people, if you, if you had to be, if there was a crime, there was a murderer and a victim, uh, and you had to be one of those people, which one would you be? And quite often at 50, 50, People don't want to be a murderer, so they'd rather be a victim. Some people don't want to be a victim, so they'd rather be a murderer. Some people actually say, I don't want a person to have to be a murderer, so I'll be the, I'll be the murderer. I mean, you, you can take that so many different directions based on the thinking process that is entangled in right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, correcting and right and wrong and so on. So there's lots of ways of looking at that. But the murderer is not separate from the victim. You can't have a murderer unless there's a victim, simply put, which you might say, duh, of course that's true. But yes, that is, that's a heartbreaking story, just what we hear about it on the news of the woman. I think uh, the way I heard it is that she would hang the uh, gay pride flag and then someone would tear that one down and she'd put it back up. And if they took it away, she'd put up a bigger one. And, put up a, and then, so that probably was uh, triggering someone's uh, level of insecurity in some way, which could have been reinforced by who knows how many different ways uh, that he had been uh, had been treated in his life from the time he was born or in past lives. I'm not here to promote belief in path, past lives. I say don't believe in anything. But something is happening before you got here that is also showing up in your mind stream. If you've not experienced that yet, then return to the wall because it's all there, the whole scenario of all of your past lives are there. Not the memory of being a, a knight or something in the 13th century, but just the, 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 to see that what arises in the mind stream wasn't really created right here in this, uh, whatever, however old you are, 34 years. It's, it has a deep, deep resonance that goes way back that is not separate from anything, is not separate from humanity. I'm not trying to wax poetic here, but I'm saying who you are, your consciousness is not limited to this mind body uh, complex that arose whenever your birth date was. It was way beyond that. This is what it's meant when they say the Buddha remembered his past lives. Not that he had uh, time and date and astrological chart for it. Jishin Bowing. Jishin. Is it a mandala in every situation if it is seen? Bowing. Again, please. I'm not following. Is there a mandala in every situation if it is seen? Bowing. Well, that's a, I think that's a good question. I would say yes. There's, a, there's a, an order to everything. Even if in the midst of the order, there are parts of it that seem very sticky or smelly. 
it's still, it's just uh, relative truth arising out of the fog, darkness and, and light areas and dark areas. Is there a, I don't know where we're at time. Is there a final question somewhere? Hang on just a minute. Look on the back screen. Okay, you have something? Yoka bowing. Is dependent origination the order that arises? Dependent origination is a way to talk about the apparent particularities that come and go and come and go and seem like they have their own little identity or or uh, um, a group of cheerleaders. So when you see it, uh, there, uh, you don't see anything. I mean, you, you might see something a little bit, but you don't see some, you don't see some kind of uh, um, explanation of everything. The differentiation between this and that, which, happen, which you see in your mind or you see in your life, or you see with uh, the, the horrible situation that happened that Kayun was talking about that maybe most of us might have seen on the news. Chaotic stuff. What do you want to know? Is that dependently arisen? Yes. Yes, it is. And so are the emotions that are attendant. Everything, even the, the imaginary self that arises is dependently arisen. Everything that arises that you can point at, name, uh, hit with a stick, or bite with your teeth is dependently arisen. So it's both existent and non-existent at the same time. So if I try to look at the order, am I limiting what I can see? Try to look at what? The order. No. Are you talking about sitting meditation? Or when you should be paying attention to traffic? <laughs> Don't you drive a forklift? Yes. Yeah, well, I wouldn't fork around on that forklift. <laughs> Is that what you mean by I'm trying to figure it figure it out? I wouldn't do too much of that. Sit, get to the wall, get to the book study. The book study says centuries, centuries and centuries of people studying the Dharma and are able to write about it, express it. And it's very valuable for us to read what Dogen in the 13th century. It's very valuable for us to read and study what Vasubandhu or Nagarjuna or the Buddha or all the other teachers that are in between. Those are very helpful for us to study those and discuss them. Don't have to figure anything out. More? Okay. I guess we can. What will we do next? Huh? 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 Oh, okay. Hi, my name is Shoto, and I am a monk at Sokukoji, where I am committed to training my mind under the guidance of my teacher, Sokuzan. We rely on your support for much of what we offer here. This includes building projects to create space for full-time and part-time practice residents. Thank you for your help.